1: Welcome to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. Every week, Josh will teach you ways to help manage, risk, and protect your retirement income in the new economy. The primary focus at Aptus Wealth is to provide flexible planning strategies that can efficiently achieve your long term retirement goals.
2: Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Diane Brennan. This is the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. Josh, I've seen news reports that talk about how the market is going to recover quickly. So, what are your thoughts about that, and do you think that is actually the case?
0: Well, I've seen a lot of different reports. You know, obviously the uh, the White House is very optimistic, and they're throwing out words like a V-shaped reco- recovery. Others are saying a U-shaped or even a W-shaped. And I guess let's talk about what those are first, and then kind of some of the the issues that are surrounding where we're at today. There's a lot of uncertainty, and that's, you know, I I listen to a lot of calls with a lot of different money managers, and they all have different opinions. Uh, But a V-shaped recovery is essentially the market drops very quickly, like a V, and then it recovers very quickly, like a V. And some people are saying uh, that market pulled back dramatically and it's bounced back, uh, you know, very close to its even. And uh, that's just going to continue when we put everybody back to work. The other thought is that we could perhaps be in a U-shaped recovery. And a U-shaped would mean that it went down, came back uh, up, uh, but it's a slower process, meaning that we're not back to business as usual. And then the worst uh, would be a W-shaped recovery, and really W just describes kind of the way that 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 line looks, but think of a static line with an eventual W at the end. An example of that would be the Great Depression. There were a lot of jumps, a lot of drops, a lot of jumps, a lot of drops, and then eventually we got out of it, but it certainly wasn't one W, it was many Ws. Uh, But I think it's important to note that the market doesn't react purely based upon financial data. Meaning, you know, what are price to earnings ratios? It doesn't react purely based upon emotion. Um, It reacts sometimes based upon a whole bunch of things. Uh, And I think that the big challenge that we're facing today with, uh, you know, COVID 19 is what's next? You know, uh, every week, uh, you know, DeWine, Governor DeWine comes out and says, this is what we're going to do next. Um, And You know, on Monday of this week, he said, uh, here's my plan for getting people back to work and announced that, you know, people can go back to work, some essential businesses, we're going to reopen retail, people have to wear masks. You know, what is this really going to mean, Diane, for uh, the economy moving forward in the long run, not just the short run? You know, are people just going to go back to business as usual? Will you feel comfortable? We've, for the last six to eight weeks, we've been, you know, kind of social distancing, not going back to work. i You know, we're working from home. A lot of things have changed. Is it just going to rebound back to, oh, remember that two months where we were working from home? Or is it going to take time to reintroduce? You know, I do uh, a lot of educational seminars. Will people be comfortable going back to those and sitting in a room with 50 people they don't know? Um, And subsequently, are people going to feel comfortable going to retail stores and shopping like they did before? How long will this really take? Uh, I'm inclined to believe that it's going to look more like a W. Um, The general belief of everybody that I speak to that are managing money or planning for that um, and that workers should not plan on business as usual opening back up, uh, that there's going to be a a strong flux here. And you have to be prepared for that. Um, So, you know, where can we look to? Uh, We can look to the Great Depression. We can look to history. And uh, so, you know, there's a lot of stuff to take a look at. Let's think about the Great Depression. You know, I kind of had an inclination, Diane, that you're going to ask me this question, particularly, you know, because COVID-19 is what everybody's talking about. And what can we relate it back to that would be the most terrifying? And that would be the Great Depression. And 1987 uh, was not the Great Depression, but the market fell 23%. Night 2008, it fell 30%. But then let's back at the Great Depression. We had this time period of consistent dips and bumps and dips and bumps and dips and bumps. Uh, and it just kept on going down and going up and going down and going up, and this uncertainty lasted forever. Now, you could argue that there was a lot of underlying financial issues there, not just you have to stay home. But what does that help us understand? You know, it helps under- understand how we might need to prepare for the future.
2: If you're concerned about the market and you'd like to learn new strategies to manage retirement risks – Give Josh's office a call to learn more about the Aptis Retirement Blueprints plan today at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. There is no cost or obligation. Josh, so you mentioned the Great Depression. How is this time different than then? And I know that we're still in the middle of a pandemic, so there's really no hindsight about what's happened as, it, as things are developing. But what are some similarities?
0: Well, I think we have a lot of the same challenges. I mean, number one, the Great Depression was caused, obviously, by a, a lack of output, a lack of, uh, you know, the economy was hurting, it was suffering. It wasn't caused by everybody has to stay home. But the, I think the real risk or the fear is that if we stay home long enough, could the end result be that we have a lack of output, we have a lack of a strong economy? And we've put some Band-Aids on that in the short run. And now the debate is, how quick will it bounce back? Now that, you know, everybody's been home, how quick can we get people back to work? We did the stimulus packages. We did the PPL loans for small businesses. But uh, the fear is, okay, that sounds great. Uh, I lost a bunch of money in my portfolio. Now it seems to be coming back to even. Um, I may or, you know, I think I'm going to have, let's use two examples. I think I'm going to have my job when this all settles. How should I plan for the future inside of my retirement portfolio? Or two, My job doesn't exist the same way that that it was before. You know, how many people are going to continue to work from home and for how long? For example, I think one of the big challenges when DeWine came out and said, uh, we're going to put people back to work, is while people can go back to work, daycares aren't open. So, okay, great, I can go back to work, but what do I do with my children? (laughs) I mean, so obviously people are going to, even though we're allowed to go back to work, a large percentage of the population is going to have to continue to work from home. And what does that mean in the long run? And there's, there's so many things that we still have to work through. Uh, and I think you know, severe declines in value of your portfolio are not something you should just hope to avoid. I think you should plan for them. Um, and I think that you know, if we look at it from a pure money management perspective, a lot of things have changed since the Great Depression to balance out how you manage that one scenario, and that is what do I do with my portfolio. For example, uh, if we look back to the Great Depression, computers didn't exist. Uh, if you wanted to trade stocks, you are basically going to New York uh, to do so, so there is time lags. Now we have computers. We have uh, a lot of financial engineering. We have algorithms. We have a lot of things that can help manage risk. So the whole buy six stocks, buy ten stocks, and hope for the best is just that. You're just hoping for the best, and you're going to ride that train up and ride the train down. You better uh, put into motion a plan, uh, a system, for managing your retirement assets that's based upon something more than that. Uh, and, you know, people call it modern day engineering or something to that effect, but ultimately what it is, is risk-based analysis. And I'm wondering if I'm nerding out too much here, Diane, uh, have you ever heard of any of these differences, buy and hold versus active management versus any of that stuff? Does any of this make sense or should I, should I dive in a little bit?
2: Yeah, no, dive in a little bit for sure.
0: So. Think of it this way. If you, were a, if, if you and I, Diane, got together and said we're going to do a, uh, a portfolio of stocks, we would be doing research. We would put into action some sort of uh, logical process. So we're going to only buy stocks when price earning ratios are at this level, and we're, gonna do, uh, we're only going to buy stocks within this category, and then if stocks reach a certain level, we're going to sell them, and we're, we're going to put together whatever our rule system is that makes logical sense to buy and sell stocks. Well, it's just you and I, and we have only so much computing power. You a lot more than me, of course, but we only have so much computing power, and we only have so much time in the day. Computers never screw up. Uh, Their math is always correct. They're on 24 hours a day. They have unlimited bandwidth of ability to process information, and you can put very finite rule systems in place, and they are never affected by emotion. So today... We have the ability to put in, a, in force a very logical process that will work while we're awake, work while we're asleep, not make any errors, not miss any, uh, there will be no rocks left unturned, and we can manage risk. So I think while we're facing a different issue today, we have a lot more tools in our tool bag to handle what we're facing. The problem is I think a lot of people are still using the old um, you know, buy and hold and just Cross your fingers, hope for the best, which is why a lot of people are terrified right now. They don't know how to manage risk.
2: And they feel absolutely out of control. One of the benefits I'm sure everyone's going to learn to save after this, the people that are in kind of a financial crunch are going to make sure they have that six to 12 months saved up for emergencies. But back to the W, what are you suggesting to your clients to be able to, if this W in fact has happened versus a U or a V, what are your suggestions?
0: That's a a big question, obviously, Diane. But um, let's cover just kind of from a 30,000-foot view, and then hopefully we'll have some more time later on. I'll I'll dive in a little deeper. But one, it's all based upon time. It depends on how much time you have remaining is where you should be. But you should certainly, and I'd like to think, by the way, to get back to your previous thing, that I hope people uh, take this as a wake-up call to make sure they have enough emergency funds set aside. But history certainly hasn't proved that that is always the case. Um, But definitely, number one, Uh, Make sure you get yourself in a position where you have a defensive kind of war chest of of finances in case something like this happens again. But then, uh, you know, I I would say I would suggest that until uh, we get more information, being defensive is pretty important. Now, there's a lot of things to take a look at. uh, That's kind of nerd speak on the financial end. Uh, You know, where are we in the market? Have we busted through resistance lines? And there's all sorts of stuff we look for. But in general. If you look at all of our portfolios, they're still pretty defensive. So rule number one of investing is don't lose money. Rule number two of investing is refer to rule number one. And then rule number three is always figure out a way to stay invested. So right now, although we are completely invested, we're not all sitting in cash and just, uh, you know, waiting to see whatever, whatever happens. We're very diversified and very defensive to make sure that if, in fact, this is a W, we don't go backwards. I think now's a time to be cautious, uh, incredibly cautious, uh, because another drop could come. And if you're nearing retirement, it could be a devastating drop for you.
2: Let's talk about the Aptis retirement blueprint process. Can we go through the steps when you're meeting with a potential client?
0: Four step process, three steps in the beginning or getting to know you. Number one is the analysis or the uh, discovery phase. So we want to know everything about you who are you? What are you trying to accomplish? What are your particular goals? Because everybody's unique and individualized. And then number two, what resources do you have and what are you doing currently to achieve those goals? Meeting number two will, uh, we call the analysis, which is we analyze everything that you gave us in meeting number one, and we see how close you are to actually accomplishing those goals based upon what you gave us in meeting number one. We're also going to try and discover Are there any issues or any uh, stones that were left unturned, any landmines that might be in the way of your arrow hitting that target? And then meeting number three, the blueprint addresses all of those. So what gaps do we need to fill to make sure that your plan is as bulletproof as possible? And then meeting number four, obviously nothing uh, happens unless we actually put this plan into motion. So that's the the paperwork party, the do we want to work together, move forward uh, process.
2: If you'd like to schedule your complimentary customized planning session, go through the Aptis Retirement Blueprint process, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. When we come back, what should we be doing during this market volatility? I'm Diane Brennan, and this is the Aptis Retirement Blueprint radio show with Josh Pick.
1: We'll be back with more at the Aptis Retirement Blueprint show with Josh Pick at 98.9 The Answer. To create a successful
3: retirement plan in today's economy, it takes a customized, solutions-based approach. At Aptus Wealth Management, founder Josh Pick calls it the Aptus Blueprint, and it's focused on managing risk instead of chasing returns. If you're working with another advisor or simply want a second opinion, put his team to work for you. To schedule a complimentary consultation to learn more about the Aptus Blueprint process, contact Josh at 614-364-7300 or visit AptusWealth.com. There is no cost or obligation, but space is limited. To start your plan, call 614-364-7300. Or visit aptuswealth.com.
1: Thanks for listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your complimentary customized planning session, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300.
2: Welcome back to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. I'm Diane Brennan. Josh with market volatility in the state it's in what what should we be doing right now if we're in retirement or nearing it?
0: Well, I think I alluded to this uh, uh, just earlier in the in the show today, and that is it all depends upon your time and by time, I mean how close are you to retirement if we're speaking specifically about retirement planning. And that's not devoid of the fact that I know people have other planning uh, needs. You know, I want to plan for vacation, plan for a home, plan for college, plan for a lot of things. But if we're speaking of uh, that goal or in this instance, specifically retirement, are you a year out? Are you three to five years out? Are you 10 years out? Are you 25 years old and you're a long way out? That, that has a huge bearing on this. And the reason for it is we know, although we're not technically in a bear market today, we're still... Uh, or we're in a bear market we're not in a recession um, when we get into that category of now we've had this bouncing around what if it turns into a w it drops again it typically takes three to five years for that to recovery to occur if you look back at 2008 uh, 2001 2002 um, you know the great depression even longer it, it takes time for us to get back to even so if you're a year from retirement you should certainly be looking at this recent uh we could call a rebound this recent rebound is an opportunity to rebalance and position yourself more towards safety so that you're not jeopardizing that that uh, that timeline that you have of only being a year away. If you're three to five years away, it gets a little trickier uh, because you still want to maintain some sort of uh, position uh, of long-term planning, but you still have kind of a short-term window. It's that intermediate phase. And then if you're 10 years out, I mean, you know, markets recover in that time period, uh, you know, a a large, large percentage of the time. Now, where I may not feel great, and it'll cause a lot of anxiety and uh, uncomfortable, and, you know, people will call them paper losses. It's easy for them to say it's not their paper losses. It still hurts, but you have not as much concern. I think what we've learned, though, if you look at the emotional side of finance, is that losses hurt two times as much as gains feel good. There's been a lot of uh, what we call uh, emotional finance studies done on this. And you've probably felt this, Diane, if you've ever gone to the casino, you know, you, you take in a hundred bucks, you win a hundred bucks and you feel really good about it, but you take in a hundred bucks and you lose a hundred bucks and you feel terrible about it. You know, it, it's, it, a pit. It, everybody it's a ha- pit
2: in my stomach.
0: <laughs> yeah. Everybody has the same reaction. So it gets back to that. How do we manage risk and volatility? So what do I think you should be doing right now? Well, one, I think there's, uh, you know, always a case for this, but even a stronger case today for, um, actively managed portfolios. So you should certainly have actively managed portfolios to limit risk and downside uh, protection. And by actively managed, I mean, not portfolios that just say, we're going to try and be- pick the best large company stocks, uh, in the market, but somebody who's managing, where should we be in the market at all? Uh, meaning should we be in large company stocks or small company stocks? And, that doesn't really happen that much. If you think about your 401k, Diane, I have large company stocks to pick from, mid-company mutual funds to pick from, and small company, and maybe some bonds, et cetera. But it's up to you to decide what that mix looks like. And they'll give you some sort of stagnant approach. You know, you should, you're X age, and you should have 60% in stocks and 40% in bonds. But is that where you should be today? Is that where you should be always? Or should I view this investing, uh, should I view investing as, The scenes may change inside of the economy, and maybe I should have been an 80-20 stocks to bonds portfolio three months ago. Maybe I should be more like a 40-60 today, dependent upon my goals. So you have to really rely on that active management. I think that's, that's critical right now. It's critical always, but it's even more critical now, Diane.
2: If you're concerned about the market and you'd like to learn new strategies to manage retirement risks... Give Josh's office a call to learn more about the Aptis Retirement Blueprint today. The number is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Josh, what are some of the biggest mistakes that you are finding advisors are giving their clients during this v- volatile time?
0: Well, I think number one is um, anytime people have bad news, they don't call. So I, I think the first thing that I hear all the time is, what? Uh, you know i'm just not even getting a call uh, so i think the, the the bad advice they're giving is no advice uh, the worst of advice they're giving is just hang in there uh, there's a lot of reasons why just hang in there doesn't work um, one uh, there are things that you can be doing to improve your scenario a lot of the times that does not mean that you change with the winds or with the tides it doesn't mean the market's doing well i want to buy the market's doing poorly i want to sell that's the exact opposite of what you want to be doing but Now is a tremendous time for advisors to be calling and saying, hey, let's revisit your goals. Are you still planning on retiring when you were anticipating? Is your job at risk? Because if you believe that you might get laid off as a result of all of this uh, for the short term or long term, your goals have in fact changed. So how do we need to change your allocation for that? Um, And simply just sticking to the old the old plan and not revisiting it. That's the biggest one, Diane, I hear is is just no advice, none at all. Just, boy, doesn't it stink. Hang in there.
2: So if you're finding your advisor is not giving you a call, I'm just going to give Josh's number again at 614-364-7300, 614-364-7300. So communication, incredibly important during these volatile times. So if your financial advisor is not contacting you, that's a huge red flag. So do you feel that this is the advisors just aren't prepared for the volatility themselves?
0: I don't think they have anything good to say. Um, you know, if you if you don't uh, subscribe to um, a fiduciary concept, number one, uh, that maybe they're not getting paid for giving you any additional advice, that's one problem. But um, if you don't uh, have a, a team of money managers who understand the methodology of risk management, you just have you know, I'm a broker and I have a bunch of mutual funds and this one looks good and this one looks good. You don't really have enough tools in your tool bag to provide any additional advice. And I'm certainly not pointing fingers at anybody, but there are certainly a lot of people touting themselves as financial advisors who simply sell products. Um, So maybe they just don't have a good solution to talk about. Maybe they don't do a comprehensive planning process. Um, Maybe that they did a terrible job to begin with and their clients are sitting poorly and they don't feel like getting yelled at. I, I don't know, Diane. All I know is I've been uh, in more communication with my clients now than I was six months ago, because I think it's important. And I think that there's opportunities that will present themselves moving forward. And I also think we had to, uh, you know, several months ago, we had to change our position to be a little more defensive for a lot of reasons. Uh, Didn't realize that it was going to be a COVID-19 issue, but we certainly saw uh, a time to start pulling back. With the
2: people that are calling you that aren't your clients or the people that are out there listeners where their financial advisor is not giving them a call, I'm sure you welcome them to be able to look at their, go through the Aptus Retirement Blueprint process so you can at least take a look at their financial pictures to see if at least their financial advisor is doing a good job for them or if you could make changes so that they can optimize uh, their investments.
0: Sure. I mean, knowledge is power. So uh, the more information that you can glean from Uh, me, from others, the better you are. Uh, The more that you understand the way that things work, you understand why you are where you are, the better for you, Uh, the better for your financial advisor, quite frankly. So I always recommend that somebody, you know, go through the process. Uh, Let's see what we uncover. If nothing else, you found out that you've done everything that you should have done and uh, you're in great shape. And uh, you have a great relationship with your current advisor, and you can go back and shake that person's hand and say, thank you so much for what you did. Uh, Many times, though, that that is not the case. Um, And their advisor is uh, kind of almost through happenstance or just haphazardly has sold them a bundle of products over the years and then tried to figure out how those products can fit the needs after they were already sold. And that's just not the way the planning process should work.
2: And I love the fact that Aptis has a team. You have uh, tax experts. You have uh, legal uh, people that you connect with. So it's, it's an all-around, uh, well-rounded um, resource for your clients.
0: I had a conference call with a client uh, about a special needs trust um, and uh, a revocable trust with uh, an attorney today. It happens all the time. It's, it's very important that we're all on the same page.
2: And tax, how important did taxes play with someone who's well, in retirement?
0: I certainly don't like paying them. Uh, I know we all have to pay our fair share, but I have yet to have a client come through the door and say, uh, you you know, I I don't really want to talk about taxes. I I don't really care how much I have to pay. So I'd say it's pretty darn important. It's not what you make, it's what you keep. Um, So tax planning is at the crux of what we do. Uh, Matter of fact, we look at tax planning before we ever look at the investments that we should be in. Uh, Taxes saved is the equivalent of interest earned, as far as I'm concerned. So Uh, We should start with income planning, then how does that relate to tax planning, and then what investments are best utilized to satisfy the two things that we tried to accomplish at the beginning.
2: We talked about mistakes that financial advisors make. What about about people? What are some of the biggest things or mistakes that you see uh, people making when they're in retirement or close to it?
0: Well, one is emotions. Uh, We can't outrun our emotions. You know, the two most powerful emotions are fear and greed. I'd say that we're uh, currently as a result of COVID-19 and the market volatility, uh, it's very easy to fall into that fear category. Um, And I don't fault anybody for that. It's just how we're wired, uh, fight or flight, uh, the way that we're just absolutely wired at the core of our being. So fear is a big one. Um, and having somebody help you manage that fear to not make irrational decisions is very, very big. Um, The other thing is uh, that I see all the time is there's uh, definitely people who this is not their thing. They don't want to know about finance, and that's fine. I understand there are certain things that I'm not good at, and I don't want to learn about either, but uh, completely turning a blind eye to it and saying I don't want to learn anything about it Um, I think that you owe it to yourself from uh, a perspective of making yourself feel better in the long run to getting a financial education in some capacity. So we have one rule here, and that is we're not going to do anything that you don't understand. So uh, that's a big one is I don't want to learn about this stuff. I just want to trust you. I want you to do. I know that you know my friend, and he told or she told me that you're great, so I'm just going to do whatever you tell me. I think that's a very risky proposition that doesn't do you a lot of favors in the long run. Um, and the other is of course not following the plan, but you know, that is what it is. That's, that's discipline left up to you, but, uh, definitely some people that have a, a very difficult time while they're working, staying to a budget and a very difficult time while they're retired, staying to a budget. Those would be the big three that, that I see. And, and, um, working with an advisor that is not holding your best interests in mind that doesn't have, uh, the perfect relationship with you to make sure that we're both on the same side of the table working for a common goal. That's another risk that I see.
2: We're going to talk more later in the program about how important working with the fiduciary is. This is the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your complimentary customized planning session, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614 364 Seventy-three hundred. When we come back, we're going to talk about annuities. I'm Diane Brennan, and you're listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick.
1: We'll be back with more at the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick at ninety-eight nine. The Answer. Thanks for listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your complimentary customized planning session, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's
2: 614-364-7300. Welcome back to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. I'm Diane Brennan. Josh, let's talk about annuities. Would now be a good time to look into them?
0: Well, let's first talk about what an annuity is. I think there's there's, there's you know, there's two types of annuities, immediate and deferred annuities, and then amongst the deferred annuity category, there's a lot. But um, if we're talking about specifically immediate annuities, immediate annuities are very much like a pension, meaning that I will give the insurance company a certain amount of money in a lump sum, and then in return, they will pay me a monthly income for the remainder of my life or for some specified amount of time usually uh, the remainder of your life, and it's longevity protection. You can never outlive this bunch of money. The argument to those is that in today's environment of low interest rates is now a great time to buy an immediate annuity that's going to pay out for the rest of my life that is essentially going to be calculated based upon today's low interest rate environment. And while I would say there's some validity to that, Um, there's also some significant validity to making sure that you have an income stream that you can't outlive for the rest of your life. And will that give you the opportunity to maybe be a little more aggressive with some of your other assets? Beyond that, though, um, annuities are not affected uh, purely in the same way as some other investments are from an interest rate perspective, because even though interest rates may fall, there's still a longevity calculator in there. So they don't fall necessarily congruently or equally with all investments just because interest rates fall. But let's compare them to our other options because I think that's important. You know, people uh, certainly like to badmouth all sorts of different ideas, but we have to compare them in a net to net perspective. So, why wouldn't I be better off going and getting a bond, for example? Well, the problem with bonds is interest rates and bonds are inversely proportional, which means they go in opposite directions. So, bonds have really benefited over the last 20 years or so from an environment where interest rates are constantly dropping. You know, we have 30-year mortgage rates at 3%, sometimes less than that right now. I mean, I I can't fathom how they could go any lower than that. But every time I say that, Diane, they seem to go a little bit lower. But I think we're at a point now where we can't really go much lower. Interest rates are essentially at a a wash. So interest rates, I would, you know, everybody kind of agrees they have nowhere to go but up. As interest rates go up, bond prices should fall. So, While bonds offer some stability in that they're not as risky as stocks and they provide income, you know, maybe I buy a bond and they pay me 4% a year in this bond. If I have a $100,000 bond that they're paying me 4% on and now new bonds are paying 5%, if I need to get out of that bond, I'm going to get less than $100,000. So there's some risk there. There's, There's actual measurable risk inside of bonds. There is no measurable risk inside of an annuity. Does a bond provide an income stream for the rest of my life, no matter how long I will live, whether I live to 80 or 180? Absolutely not. It does not. So there is some huge validity still to income generating annuities. Now, I I spoke a lot, Diane, about, you know, immediate annuities. And the reality is not too many people do pure immediate annuities. What they do is deferred annuities. And deferred annuities is what you do before you turn on that income stream. And I think there is a huge uh, case to be made for deferred annuities right now. And there's a bunch of different ways to do deferred annuities, but let's talk about fixed annuities in particular right now. There's two types of fixed annuities. One is just a pure, we'll pay you 4% guaranteed for this period of time. The other one is what we call a fixed indexed annuity. And a fixed indexed annuity allows you to participate to a degree in the performance of the market with no downside risk. And I know that sounds too good to be true, uh, and maybe if we have some more time on a, on a, uh, later in the show I'll talk about how they do that but you could get you know in many instances 60 70% of the upside of the stock market with no downside risk whatsoever they also add in then these income riders which means as long as I play by these rules for a period of time let's say 1 year's 2 years sometimes 10 years then it'll provide an enhanced income stream for the rest of my life sometimes adjusted for inflation even, at a very significant rate, that I can't outlive. Well, why would that be a value? Uh, Right now, we just said we might be heading to a, uh, might be, a W-shaped type correction. Well, if that's the case, we've had a rebound now. We've rebounded from, uh, depending on how you were invested, some, if not all, of your losses. Let's lock in back where we were now still give ourselves some potential for upside, but eliminate all the downside risk. And then let's say we're five or 10 years out from retirement, then we know when the retirement picture time comes, we can set up a guaranteed income stream for the rest of our lives that we cannot outlive with a portion of our money. Do we want to necessarily do that with all of it? No, there's some rules we have to play by, there's some liquidity issues, and we certainly wouldn't want to invest all of our eggs in one basket anyway but it does add the state, the safety and stability of a guaranteed income stream to your portfolio, which has huge value right now.
2: If people have questions, you can give Josh a call at 614-364-7300 and also to schedule your complimentary customized planning session. Again, the number is 614-364-7300. Josh, concerning annuities, I read something about financial strength ratings. Can you explain what that is and why it is important?
0: If we look back at what I just said, Annuities provide guarantees, income for the rest of your life that you can't outlive. All of these things use the word guarantees. And those guarantees are only as good as the person providing the guarantee or the company providing the guarantee. So insurance companies are rated. They're rated just like the grades in school, uh, A through D. Obviously, you don't want to invest in a D-rated company because... You know, there's pretty good chance that if you're a D student in school, uh, school wasn't your bag. Well, if you're a D student in the insurance world, uh, you're probably not managing your assets as an insurance company very well. Um, So step number one, uh, go with high rated insurance companies. And there are four major rating agencies. Most people only pay attention really to the big three, which is Fitch, Moody's and S&P. But there's also an insurance there's also a rating agency called AM Best. They all rate a little bit differently. Um, you know, one will be A++ is the top rating, and then A+, and then A, and A-, and so on and so forth. Others will be uh, a double A, a single A, and then down through the line. Some will just be uh, A+, A-, A minus, and so on and so forth. But it's important to note how and why they're rated the way that they are. If you're investing, an insurance company is essentially taking your money, investing it on your behalf in guaranteed instruments for the most part, And then giving you a fixed interest rate. So they're taking on some of that risk. If the insurance company is promising you a rate based upon taking on too much risk, well, then you're essentially taking on some risk there as well. So to be an A-rated company or better, you're regulated to a higher degree as to what, as an insurance company, as to what you can invest in. So if you're a B B rated company, you can be much more aggressive with your portfolio than you can be for an A rated company because they won't give you the A rating if you're invested that way. Well, in times of uncertainty, you could view that as a little bit more risk. Um, The other thing that's important to know about insurance companies is they have to maintain a certain level of solvency. And that's a ratio that I like to look at is what is an insurance company's solvency ratio. And solvency essentially means if everybody comes in and says, give me my money." Do you have enough money to give them back? And you know we view banks with this air of solidarity, and they can't go anywhere, and they're great. Banks are regulated in a similar way. And i uh, will well, ask you, Diane, do you have any idea what the solvency ratio of a bank has to be?
2: Thirty. You give them a dollar. You give
0: them a dollar. How much do they have to? How much do they have to actually have, and how much can they loan out?
2: Oh, isn't it like let's say ninety-six cents on the dollar?
0: It's pretty close. Yeah, they have to keep. They have to keep approximately ten cents. So you give them a dollar, they loan out ninety cents. They used to be called savings and loans, right? So they give out ninety cents, and they're the way that they make money outside of charging fees and all sorts of other stuff on accounts. The way that they make money is they loan out the money that you give them, charge somebody interest on the money that they loan out, and then they hope that you don't, that everybody doesn't come in and give me all the, say, give me all my money because then they have a big problem. But they've done the actual calculation that not everybody's going to run in and say, give me all my money tomorrow morning. Insurance companies, on the other hand, cannot do that. They cannot loan out your money. What they are doing with your money is investing your money in uh, essentially by buying bonds, etc. Uh, so if their solvency ratio drops below 100%, the state in which they operate, which does uh, tons of audits, that state will come in and essentially shut them down. Now, banks are backed by FDIC uh so there we all know that you know FDIC backs us to $250,000 so even if the bank goes out of business and we have $250,000 in a bank we know we're going to get it back cuz the government essentially backs it up they're backed federally insurance companies are backed by not all of them but most of them are backed by a system called SPIC which is the state protection fund so they are the same, at least in the state of Ohio, they're the same, uh, $250,000 per contract. So if you were going to go, or per person, per company, so if you were going to invest $500,000, well, then it makes sense maybe want to spread this out amongst companies. But if you had $200,000 in some insurance company in the state of Ohio and that insurance company subscribes to SPIC, then you would in fact be made whole. So the takeaways on why why strength ratings are so important is, one, Uh, make sure you get one that's rated good by a third party. Uh, And essentially, these rating agencies are like consumer reports of the insurance world. So get an A-rated company, number one. Number two, get one that's backed by SPIC in the state of Ohio, and not all of them are. And then number three, know that all Nuttall and Hooties are created equal. Make sure that you're getting the one that is best for you. So there's a lot of things to take into account. Make sure you speak with somebody who knows what they're talking about, and make sure you do your due diligence Because not everything is created equal by any means.
2: And you, of course, go over this with your clients.
0: For sure. I mean, this is uh, part of our process. If an annuity fits the bill, which sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't, we want to make sure that we understand the ins and outs of both the insurance company and the product that we're talking about. Because like I said, not all of them are created equal.
2: To schedule your complimentary customized planning session, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. The number again is 614-364-7300. When we come back, we're going to discuss why it's important your financial advisor is a fiduciary. We talked about this a little bit earlier in the show. We're going to dig a little deeper. I'm Diane Brennan. You are listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick.
1: We'll be back with more at the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pitt at 98.9 The Answer.
3: To create a successful retirement plan in today's economy, it takes a customized, solutions-based approach. At Aptus Wealth Management, founder Josh Pick calls it the Aptus Blueprint, and it's focused on managing risk instead of chasing returns. If you're working with another advisor or simply want a second opinion, put his team to work for you. To schedule a complimentary consultation to learn more about the Aptus Blueprint process, contact Josh at 614-364-7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. There is no cost or obligation, but space is limited. To start your plan, call 614 364 Or visit aptiswealth.com.
1: Thanks for listening to the Aptis Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your complimentary customized planning session, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300.
2: Thanks for joining us. We appreciate you spending time with us today. This is the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. I'm Diane Brennan. Josh, let's talk about fiduciary duty. What does that mean?
0: Well, first, fiduciary, you know, in the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission established a definition of what a fiduciary is in 2018 in response to a bunch of confusion um, as to what the best interest rule was for financial professionals. And I guess in a nutshell, what they determined was um, a fiduciary is essentially hide, held to the highest standard uh, and must act in the best interest of the client. Now, that's still probably pretty broad, but essentially what that states is that if you're claiming or you are regulated as a fiduciary, you are going to be held to a different standard and you must, in all cases, hold your client's uh, best interests at the forefront of every planning uh, decision that you make I went a little bit further to say that um, in addition to that advice you cannot be paid disproportionately for any product or service meaning that um, you know if I have two choices to accomplish your objectives uh, fund number one and fund number two or product number one and product number two I have to base my decision based upon the merits of the product and I cannot be paid uh, 1% for one product and 2% for the other. It has to be a levelized playing field and fee-based exclusively. So commissions are out the window. Um, that means that your decisions are being based based upon the best interests and not based upon, you know, the advisor's best interests. And then that also incentivizes and requires, on top of that, the fiduciary to provide ongoing investment advice, meaning that this can't be a one-and-done relationship, which We've certainly seen a lot in the past of commission-based brokers, and I'm not begrudging anybody that was in the commission-based world. I know that most of us started that way because that's the way the world was back in the day. But um, there wasn't a lot of incentive to provide ongoing uh, fiduciary advice to clients because the only way that you really made money is by selling more products or additional products. So it, it just wasn't a good structure. Now, the problem is, There's uh, a lot of people still running around calling themselves, you know, financial advisors. And there was no definition of what is a financial advisor, what is a financial planner, what is, you know, everybody calls themselves all these different things. So it's very difficult from a client's perspective to determine, well, who is this person? Are they a financial advisor? Are they a financial planner? Are they an investment advisor? What does that mean? What do they do? So I think step one, Diana, is make sure that you're working with a fiduciary because you know that by definition and by regulation, they simply have to have your best interests at at the forefront of all their decision-making. But sometimes it's difficult to figure out.
2: How does an advisor become a fiduciary?
0: Well, one, you have to take some tests, uh, which is the case on the broker side as well. But two, it's how you're monitored. So I'll give you an example on, on our end. So uh, we're a registered investment advisor in the state of Ohio. We get audited every year. Um, That audit is pretty darn comprehensive. Uh, we got to make sure that we're not being paid disproportionately on anything. Um, But the background checks are much more stringent. Uh, You have to have an educational background that substantiates your fiduciary uh, title. You have to take uh, ongoing continuing education requirements. And you have to take a little bit more stringent testing guidelines. And then on top of that, obviously, you have to comply with all audits and and updated regulations. So it's just a more comprehensive process than the old brokerage model was.
2: And how can an average person find out if a person is a fiduciary?
0: Like everything in the world now, Diane, you go online. Um, So essentially, uh, you just Google, uh, look up uh, my investment advisor or look up my fiduciary and it'll pull up a website. Um, some are essentially uh, managed through the state that they operate. The closest, the easiest way, uh, in Ohio is, is look up Ohio investment advisory or an Ohio, Ohio investment advisor lookup. And then it'll pull up and it'll say, enter in that person's name or business entity. And it pulls up and tells you, you know, how long have they been in business? Um, a whole host of information you'd be surprised how many people you can look up and find out that there's been a lot of thrown their way over the years, uh, and you wouldn't know that unless you looked them up. So you can find out, if has there been any complaints against my advisor? And then most importantly, because anybody can file a complaint, obviously, but what was the result of the investigation of that complaint? So unlike, um, you know, maybe Consumer, or not Consumer Reports, but Angie's List or some of these other things, you know, the Better Business Bureau, um, every in every single complaint that is filed against an advisor is absolutely investigated uh, by the regulatory bodies. So you'll be able to see all of that on there.
2: If you have any questions, you can give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. That's also the number you can call to schedule your complimentary customized planning session. So when working with the fiduciary, and let's say there's a complaint against them, I mean, what is acceptable to an individual who's looking for an advisor? How does it work?
0: Well, I mean, I can tell you specifically for myself, I don't have any complaints so that I can only speak for myself. But um, I think, you know, if I was looking for an advisor, and this is something I'll tell, you know, any client that walks through the door, um, you know, number one, you have to get along with the person that you're working with. We're going to spend a lot of time together, uh, years and years and years. Uh, Your personalities have to be conducive to one another. Um, So, you know, you can't be everything to everybody. That's number one. But you asked a question specifically about looking up the advisor and their qualifications. I would say number two, um, and I'm not picking on anybody that's new to the business, um, but I was new to the business once, and uh, I'm sure you've been new to your business uh, before, and you know, it just takes time. You have to gain some experience. So I personally wouldn't work with anybody that doesn't have a certain amount of experience. Now, what's my opinion on that? I would like to see somebody that's got industry experience of 10 years or greater. Uh, this is a big decision. Um, you're, you're literally entrusting them with your financial life for the remainder of your life. Uh, it's a big decision. Make sure somebody's not learning on the job. Uh, make sure that they've got a lot of, a lot of experience behind them. And then I personally believe, you know, if they have a complaint, maybe it's an erroneous complaint. What are the circumstances around the complaint? You know, did, was it resolved and they were found not guilty? What, you know, if they have a complaint, uh, that's a judgment call. But fortunately, I don't have to have that, uh, that conversation, Diane.
2: Any other questions that the public should ask a potential financial advisor that you think are important?
0: I think they should be 100% transparent with how they're paid. Um, the only way to know where people's motivations are, or how do you get paid? If you want to find out very, very quickly if somebody is truly a fiduciary or just saying the right things, say, I want to see in writing exactly how you get paid. Every true fiduciary has to have a disclosure document that shows you exactly how much, when, and uh, everything about how they're getting paid. It also tells you, in the event that I want to leave this relationship, what does that process look like? Um, So we have a very thorough agreement that says exactly how we work with clients, exactly what we're getting paid, and exactly how we could dissolve this relationship should you choose. Uh, if they do not have that or cannot provide it or dance around it, you know something is uh, is not right. So that's absolutely make sure you can get your hands on that. You know, every good advisor, number one, I, I don't know what the, the stats are as to how many advisors actually do a planning process. I, I would kind of be terrified to look. I don't know how small that number is that actually do a true financial planning process. And by true, I mean taking into account the impact of taxes as it relates to minimum required distributions and uh, social security as it relates to our other assets, et cetera, um, making sure that we take an approach of uh, true diversification, not just kind of throwing some products on the wall and seeing what sticks, but how do we ladder the income streams for the remainder of our life and manage risk? Um, I, I would be uh, inclined to believe that that's probably a smaller percentage of the population than I would hope, um, but how do, we, uh, how do we differ? We take all those things into account. Uh, our process is absolutely encompassing. Um, we're not purely equity-based investors, meaning we don't just do mutual funds or, or separately managed accounts or ETFs. Uh, we don't just do insurance and annuities. We don't just do long-term care. Um, we either do all of those things or we have experts in all of those areas where we uh, consult with you know, estate planning, et cetera. So I think maybe what separates us is uh, our background, Um, as institutional side investors, and then also having the resources and the experts in all the areas to handle all of it, meaning taxes, estate planning, uh, long-term care planning, income planning, the whole lot.
2: Let's talk a little bit about your background, Josh. When did you start in the business?
0: Yeah, I started in uh, 1998, um, and I started in the insurance world. Uh, So my first place, and this is why I say experience is everything. The first uh, place I started was a uh, a whole life insurance. We'll leave the name out, but a whole life insurance uh, company. So, you know, as a young person starting out, uh, you you drink the Kool Aid, and every solution is whole life insurance because that's the arrow that I have in my quiver. And then uh, I shifted to um, an equity based company. So, life insurance is out now. And now we go to uh, everything is stock and mutual fund based. Uh, I then uh, shifted out of the personal uh, financial planning category, meaning that I I was no longer working with individual clients. And for a few years, I was uh, on the institutional side. So my clients were financial planners. And I did that for a number of years um, until uh, about 2008. In 2008, I saw what was happening with the stock market. Uh, saw the, the collapse, and I saw how we handled that on the institutional money management side and how we were able to manage risk and how individual clients were not able to do that uh, because they were buying the same old products that they had always bought. So I shifted away from consulting to financial planners and institutions, and I shifted over to uh, helping individual clients. A lot had changed at that time too that made it more accessible, like uh, you know technology and uh, the reduction of trading costs that made it you could really bring the institutional money management level, uh, of risk management down to a client that maybe only had a, you know, a hundred thousand dollars. And I'm by no means saying a hundred thousand dollars isn't a lot of money, but institutional money management was only available to people that had, you know, five, ten, fifteen million $15 million and up, uh, back in 2000, 2001. So a lot had changed. So it was a perfect marriage, a perfect time. And, uh, I'll never head the other direction. I, I, I love working with, uh, individuals and helping them accomplish what they want it's uh the institutional side is a much more sterile uh based environment you don't get to see the the fruits of your labor and you don't get to see people actually live out their dreams you just you're kind of working with numbers all the time and then those numbers somehow trickle down but you don't get to see that side of it so i I like this end a lot better
2: you founded the aptus group of companies in
0: 2003 i did yeah in 2003 i started. the consulting company. So uh, that company is still very much uh, in business. We have about 600 financial planners that uh, rely on us for uh, up-to-date information, planning strategies, uh, facilitate growing their businesses, uh, managing a lot of things with their practice, all the way down to the financial planning piece of it. Um, I still own uh, half of that company, but uh, it's managed uh, by other folks now. I've, I've stepped away, and now I purely... Uh, work with individuals and have for the last 10 plus years
2: i'm going to give out the number one more time because i'm sure those listening have questions you can give josh a call at 614-364-7300 that's 614-364-7300 thank you so much for listening to this week's edition of the aptus retirement blueprint radio show with josh pick i'm diane brennan Again, to learn strategies to manage risk in the new economy and to schedule your complimentary customized planning session, the number to call is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you next week.
1: You've been listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint radio show with host Josh Pick. Josh helps guide his clients through retirement by managing risk instead of chasing returns. He calls it a blueprint, and you can get started at no cost or obligation. Give the team at Aptus Wealth a call today to schedule your consultation at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Or online at aptuswealth.com. That's A-P-T-U-S wealth.com. To learn strategies to manage risk in the new economy, join us again next weekend right here at 98.9 The Answer.